mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? Episode 62 is the Katie episode. Okay. Who's Katie? Help meet to the Jed Jed, the OJ. Mm. So uh, I do have one one little order of business. I'll take your order. It's not super um, important, but I just wanted to. So my life now is just all things this podcast, it seems. So even after I'm done doing a dig, sometimes I dig a little further, even though the moment has passed. (laughs) But I found myself just curious and reading up more on Hammy, uh, Hammy Howard. Okay. Piece of shit. Yep. And I I thought it was funny because I was just calling him Hammy because I thought that was funny. Apparently, he went by Ham. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't that far off but i found um i I did a lot i I read a lot what am i doing with my life that like my idea of like falling asleep at night is like let me read more about that fucking christian millionaire in florida like what is happening to me but that's what i did and i came across this one really long article and i'm not gonna i'm only gonna share one thing with you okay but it's again another saying the quiet part loud he said Oh, well, here's the article. It says, how does one man who has never held elected office wield so much political power by helping other politicians get elected and reminding them where their help came from? Mm. And he said, quote, my dad taught me that the way you have something to say about it is to help them elected or um, to help them get elected or contribute money to them. When you talk to them, they listen to you. If you elected them, then they owe you. Yep. And, and I think it's it's not that we don't all know that. There's just something about like so brazenly just being like, yep, they owe me because I uh, make it happen. <laughs> like, yep. I don't know. There was just, and there was more, but I just thought that people might be interested in how he's just like, the same way he was just like, I told him to uh, introduce a bill and I'd get it passed. And he right. did. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be in politics to completely control the game yeah all you need is a little bit of influence and like we said uh, influence usually equals money so Mm -hmm. this is how i spend my nights now guys reading about hammy hammy howard all i gotta say is uh hashtag not my ham not my ham my ham is an adorable piggy bank that has the voice of john ratzenberger or our canned ham in the front yard, which yep. is a 1963 uh, Go Light Camper canned ham. <laughs> That's my ham. Okay, so the actual episode. Oh, and by the way, if you're like, well, we're not talking about Ginger's book, that's because it's the dig. So, Supre- Spoiler. I, I, I Nobody saw it coming. I know. So the episode is Duggars Fly the Coop, and it premiered November 10th of 2009. And the episode begins with a montage of the kids doing various things. Um, Hanny is climbing the counter 
It looks to like take pictures of herself with like the mm-hmm. webcam of a laptop. Justin has also scaled the counter uh, as well to drink directly out of the kitchen faucet. Mm-hmm. Very, there's lots of feralness <laughs> going Very on around. Brand. And he's also shown taking candy out of his mouth. It looks like a like a mint lifesaver, maybe. Mm-hmm. And saying, want some? As he sticks it in Jamesy Bug's face. Mm-hmm. So lots of feral duggers. <laughs> and um, Lego, he runs through the various instruments that they have in their home. The piano, violin, mandolin, and harp. Mm-hmm. Then Cannon talks about how she just loves the harp and would play a harp CD when the kids were little. Like that calmed everybody down. And they end up being, um, at one point, being gifted one by an older lady. And so now the four oldest Doug girls all take mm-hmm. lessons and play the harp. Next scene, Lego arrives back at Legoland and has popped the back of their SUV and says he has a surprise for the girls. And the cell phone belt clip is yep, front and center. Absolutely. Okay. There ended up being, so, so there was like a a seventy year old pedal harp mm-hmm. that ended up coming up at auction that somebody alerted Lego to, and he bought it, as it's been apparently been something that they've been discussing and praying about for a number of years. <laughs> it's like the swing set, or the you know like mm-hmm. you're just praying for a harp. Yeah, it's a, how long did they say they'd been praying for it? Just a number of years. Yeah, or something like that. It's got their harp set on a harp. Oh, there it is. Um, <laughs> my dad was like an over-researcher when it came to like new technology. Like I remember when he, him and my mom had saved up enough money to get like a flat screen TV. Back in the day. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and they had already been out for a while, but like plasma was big for a while, but they were heavy and they got hot. Um, so it's like when he was going to buy another one, he did research. And he did research for like two and a half years. Yeesh. And then finally bought one, which good on him. It was cheaper at that point. But I'm like, are you going to do this or not? Because <laughs> for I'm not kidding, two and a half years, it was reading consumer reports and looking up <laughs> online articles. And I'm like, he's it's never going to happen. I'm like, something else is going to come out yeah. by the time he's ready to buy. There's going to be LCD. holograms in your living room before. Exactly. That's it. how it felt. So it's funny that they're like, we were praying for years. That was my dad consumer reportsing for years you know which is funny because it's not like it wasn't a money thing with your parents it's just like uh, oh yeah uh, they had <laughs> saved up all the money yeah. <laughs> so funny so um as it's all hands on deck to carry this thing inside lego says that it looks like a coffin and it does it really it, does, yeah. mm-hmm. it really does look like it's kind of it's a really cool box so i'm like i'm down with it mm-hmm. i'm you know and that's the closest they get to some sort of like remember they don't celebrate halloween i'm like this is right. as close as they get to like the fun spookiness of <laughs> the spooky season like a coffin of some sort yeah so in a talking head they ask michelle a question that seems to be very appropriately lined up with today's dig <laughs> They ask her if Jim Bob has a soft spot for the girls. And she says, definitely bullshit. (laughs) Definitely bullshit is my answer. 
She says, I think that's his daddy heart, you know. He's tougher on the boys, I think, because they're boys. And he wants them to be tough, uh, make their way in the world. But boy, his daughters. Ready for this one? Yep. He will protect them to the nth degree. Oof. I mean, he loves his girls. Yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking. Ye- this is, you know, this is an extra E. This is yeesh. Yeah. There's this, a hyphen in there. No, yeesh. To make it another syllable. Yes. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, yeah. He's here to protect his girl. Fuck that. <laughs> I feel like I've been referencing this a lot, especially reading the book. The Tim Robinson thing we spoke about last time. You sure about that, though? <laughs> exactly. You sure about that, though? Yep. I just, I disagree with every <laughs> single word that she Ugh. said. You could tell it's practice, though. It, like... it could not pair any better with today, though. Like, I could, <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad that this ended up being today's recap. Mm-hmm. So they asked Cannon if potential suitors will be, you know, have a tough time because of Jim Bob. And she says they're, <laughs> The girls are tough themselves, but they want to talk to him to get his advice. More like, I just love how everything sounds so like optional. Like they come, it's the same way that it was just like, oh no, we like to do this, and we keep they our could hair. Wear pants we, if they wanted. If to. they wanted to, yeah, yeah, fucking bullshit. Um, and just oh, like you know, we have our hair like this because we want to look like each other. But it's like no, that's our dad. Like you, know, it's just mm-hmm. everything sounds so optional, or just like mm-hmm. that's what they wanted, and it's like that that's not it so it's like oh yeah they just want to go for tim for advice no that's not how it is it's not just fucking advice from your father Mm -hmm. it's a dictatorship let's call it what it fucking is and obviously we'll see this in the book but the question are they going to have a tough time because of jim bob yes but not for the reasons why you're asking exactly it's a little different but yes (laughs) yes technically (laughs) which is the best way to be correct exactly so there's this big harp reveal, and then super they, cool fucking yeah, harp. Yeah. So they get um, the coffin open. I say coffin, <laughs> and um, they lug it up, or he lugs it upstairs, and he's like almost like hitting it like several times, like yeah. on the top of the ceiling. And even though all the older girls play, it seems like Jill is the one that's most into it. So the focus is mainly on her. Mm-hmm. And as far as the harp, uh, like specifically to the harp stuff. But then even after that segment, they continue to focus on Jill. Mm-hmm. Little Jilly Muffin. Yep. So it's just really weird that this all landed on the week that we'll be discussing her book. Like, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like, yep. there's been a numerous times now that the podcast is lined up with things in, like, funny little ways. Mm-hmm. So I yep. just felt like that was another way that I'm like, that is too perfect. I could not have planned this any better (laughs) can i interject before you move on with a little bit of harp hype we'll do it all right so my moment of harp hype is the fact that i actually love a good harp i think they're like really elaborate they look really elegant and it's cool to see them in other non-classical music styles so i love there's um some super super traditional like mariachi music actually has a harp in it oh really I yeah know that. and i think it's cool to see them still in the regalia lo- say, and say then mariachi. one of them's say mariachi. mariachi mariachi how do i sound mariachi pretty good there you go it's that one eighth in me <laughs> um 
but it's cool to see them like in the outfit, but then they're like sitting down in front of this instrument. You know, <laughs> yeah. you're used to seeing all of the band members standing up and doing stuff. And I, then I would be the heart player. I'm like, can I sit? <laughs> can I have a sit? Do you have like a little stool? Is there anything that could be played while sitting on a stool? <laughs> That's my gig. Uh, yep. So that was my heart pipe. There you go. So, Cannon says that Jill is just so sweet and was prim and proper as a little girl. She liked things just a certain way, and she was the type of little kid, for example, who didn't like to have her hands dirty and wanted them washed right away and Mm -hmm. was just very organized and systematic. Mm -hmm. She also says, quote, as she blossomed into womanhood, I've seen the good qualities of being very organized and systematic. We know... Of of course you saw it as good because it's of direct benefit of you know to you but okay, yeah. um, she says organized and systematic coming to meet with this friendly outgoing personality that she has. This whole time, as old photos were shown of little Jill, little Jilly Muffin, and Michelle's voice played over, we watch mm. as Jill bakes bread and prepares a baby bottle, which is mm. kind of sad to me. Yeah. And there's a there's a cringy ass line from Lego Hair in this episode related to that. Have we gotten to it yet? Nope. Okay. And oh no, I know what you're, I know what you're talking about. Uh, We're getting there. Okay, at first uh, I was like, "Oh, um and after they've asked Jill like what's going on that night, she says that she and Joy are going to babysit three little girls of some friends of theirs." And Joy chimes in, "They're not little. The girls are my age." <laughs> Which what do you think about Joy Sass? I mean, kind of. It wasn't really she, attitude. No, that's what I'm saying. Okay, my point is she doesn't. She doesn't have an attitudey voice about it. But I still thought that like the point of making that correction was like a little sassy, where she was like, "They're okay. We'll allow it." You sure? I mean, sure. I don't want to d- do anything you're uncomfortable with. I'm not the one that gets mad with Mr. Bingo. I'm not the one that gets mad with almost bingos. So. Okay, so we're doing Joy Sass. It's a Slim Pickens episode. Nobody's getting yeah, bingo. There is not to be a fucking clear, yep. it is Slim Pickens. I didn't even I didn't even put my my piece on the free space on the free space or the phone belt club because I'm like it's not gonna. This is not even he's not even taking this seriously, ladies and gents. He doesn't even care. He only cares if he's gonna win. Maybe. True. Okay, so I just thought that there was still, like, the fact that she made that correction was just, like, a little bit sassy. Mm -hmm. So Jill laughs, and she says, that's still little. And she kind of has, like, the the side eye, Um, which I'm sure kind of pissed Joy off, where it's like, you know, like, when you're a kid and you're like, no, I'm not little. Like, you know, you're just so desperately, Mm -hmm. like, no. So you really get a vibe for how much responsibility Jill has and the role that she fills. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Ginger sell so like I said, they were kind of watching as Jill is baking all of these like kind of like mini loaves of bread. Right. And um Ginger says that Jill baked bread so that they have something to eat when she leaves because they're not very good cooks. Which is it a joke? Probably a little bit, maybe. But it but partially so- it sounds like but- she's like the best food preparer For out sure. of all of the older it's girls. like and if you remember back to old episodes where it was like jill's oh, like when they're having people owner over mm-hmm. it was like oh jill's gonna make her minestrone and like mm-hmm. you know it's very much 
She talked about taking a lasagna somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, partially joke, but no, she's an, she's a huge part of this family. <laughs> I knew there was a reason why we were endeared to her. Lasagna or bread? Which one? Just her being a good cook. Ah. <laughs> one of our nieces when we were little, um, did she say she wanted to be a cooker girl? Is that what it was? <laughs> When there's somebody at some point, because me and Whitney both worked in the industry, they asked her what she wanted to do, and she was like, "I want to be a cooker girl." Cooker girl. So whenever Whitney makes something delicious, I'm always like, "You sure are a good cooker girl, yep. lady." Yep, good cooker. <laughs> so Hanny is literally hanging onto Jill's leg while mm-hmm. she tries to walk. It's yep. the whole like drag your leg thing. Mm-hmm. And Jill just very calmly, very patiently <laughs> tells the kids, like, why don't you go outside and play? Mm-hmm. And then just, like, paired with, like, the earlier making the bottle and, like, all that. I'm like, she's just a, she's a fucking mother. Yeah, she was cooking brownies and all the kids wanted to get in there and, like, help her. And she was very much, like, making sure the kids didn't get burned. She's, and like, making, she's like, like, Joy, you can pull them out of the oven because, like, it's just all of those, like, mm-hmm. super, like... It's just she sounds like a mother. Like yeah, you're wrangling kids. Pull, like you can pull it out because you help the rest of you step away. This is hot. Yeah. Do that. This isn't until after dinner. Mm-hmm. It's just like you don't sound like a sister. Is my point. Yeah, and there was a moment before this that was a transition. It was kind of a little bit of a dweeby moment just because of the energy it had, but it felt like they were trying to fill space and transition through. And what it was was she had walked into like the industrial kitchen. And one of the cameramen was like following her and said, hi, Jill Duggar. Oh, yeah. And she was like, hi, my name's Jill Duggar. (laughs) And like it was so I feel like that I put Jill like her dweebiness is showing. Um, You allowed mine. I'll allow yours. (laughs) I'll allow it. See how this this is compromise in marriage. (laughs) If you guys remember Celebrity Deathmatch, the referee. I'll allow it. I haven't thought about that in a long time. We've been talking. Me and me and my buddy have been talking about that at work. Anyway, that was my Jill moment. So it was interesting to see that dichotomy between her being herself and kind of acting her age and a little dweeby, and then watching her have to be a mom. Like it yeah, was full really blown. just both. Yeah. <laughs> and Lego does what he does, where he feels. I don't know if he just feels the need to. Sp- Fill space fill with space. words, mm-hmm. I, I guess, or something. So he tells Jill, don't open the door for strangers, and I know you'll do a great job. You're already like a super mom already. Mm. We Ugh. know, but she shouldn't She shouldn't be. Yep. We're, we're, we're well aware, mm-hmm. but she shouldn't have to be a super mom. Like, yep. they, they think that they say these things and that they're cute, and like what and it's like no yeah. no it's it's not yeah i mean we talk about parentification how certain times it's kind of unsaid like they hold it out in the open oh yeah like we it's are parentifying like, our children there, there's no it's mm-hmm. it's the same the same there's the no quiet pretense. part it's the, again the saying the the loud part people who say the quiet part loud because they have no fucking shame they're not even trying mm-hmm. to hide it they don't give a fuck it's normal yeah. to them yeah they don't see anything remotely wrong with about it. it yeah so this is the um, first time that I recall getting to see Jill drive on her own. Mm-hmm. So she um, gets in the like the SUV and they drive over to who she and Joy are babysitting at. Mm-hmm. And Jill is greeted at the door by a pregnant woman in jeans. 
<laughs> Seeing new things already. And I, I think it's really sweet because she came prepared with stuff. Like she brought, and like as the ladies open up the door, Jill's like, I brought bread. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like she just kind of like randomly says, I brought bread. And then later on, you see that the brownie she baked earlier, like obviously she'd also brought some to like the kids. And I'm like, that's really sweet that you're going babysitting and like you're bringing bread yeah. and brownies for the family. I'm like, that's, it's very nice. Yeah. So complete, you know, that's over with. Complete switch of stuff. Now they're heading to an ostrich farm that's not too far from their house. Mm-hmm. Apparently at one point it had like 450 and now it's down to seven. So it's not much of a farm. Yeah. I made the joke earlier that it was more of like an ostrich meeting. <laughs> yeah, it really than, than like a ranch. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to our ostrich meeting. Yeah, that's <laughs> at best. <laughs> <laughs> So, small note, they take two cars to get there instead of a Gus bus or like an art, you know? Mm-hmm. We have to figure out what we should call it for them. We'll have to come up with an the acronym. Um, I can't think of it right now on the spot, but we'll have to come up with it. But it's their version of the Gus bus. Yeah. And But they didn't take that. They took two cars this time. Yep. So, If you don't remember, whenever we would go to Disneyland, we would take the Anaheim Resort Transit. And they the called art. it the art. And then here in Glendale... They have a uh, little like mini bus that can go that's run by the city of Glendale that's called Gus the Bus. The Gus. Yep, Gus the Bus. <laughs> every time and it I says le- it on the side. Every time I leave Walmart, it's got to stop right there, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, oh, it's Gus, Gus yep. the Bus. <laughs> yep, Gus the Bus. <laughs> so you know, ostriches. I don't know if people like, but they're kind of like mean and scary. <laughs> like they're not nice. Like they're yeah. really. Very angry. I don't know what happened to them <laughs> in a past life. I don't know what's happening to them now. But they're they're an, an angry type of fowl. And at one point, you see the guy. He places like a sock type thing over their face to make them more docile. But it's just covering their eyes. Yeah. It's like it's like putting blinders on a horse, basically. Or putting like a blanket over a birdcage so they go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I remember doing it with our perk. Our, our Parakeet. I almost said parakeets. Your Our, we had parakeets. Um, my oldest sister had one named Turkey. Mm-hmm. Turkey bird. And then my sister right above me had two that were Kermie and Miss Piggy. <laughs> Ker- oh, Kermie. Oh, Kermie. <laughs> so, any hoozle. Any hoozle. Uh, Did you see that one of our listeners said she said it in her real life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Jason... The feral one. He and also the one with the shade last episode. Remember that shade mm-hmm. and that fucking face? Yeah. Posted that for you guys to see. The fucking face. So <laughs> the feral one volunteers to be the first one to try like sitting on an ostrich. Mm-hmm. And before some others ended up to like um artist Jed yeah. got on. And you know what? I had in this moment I realized he at in this point in time in the show, he is the most underrepresented Represented, I mean, mm-hmm. um, Lost Boy. Interesting. But if you look at Jackson's getting lots of like talking mm-hmm. head time. Jason, Josiah, yeah, Justin. Remember for a long time, Justin was lost. Oh yeah, Justin was majorly you didn't even know lost. Who the fuck All was? the fucking sudden, Justin's in the mix. The only time we've heard from Artist Jed. Do you remember was the Amish episode where he was trying to explain like the electricity thing, and they're like, mm. "Can you explain?" And he's like, "I don't know. It doesn't make sense." <laughs> but like. Artist Jed is fucking MIA. 
Yeah. So at this point in time, I'm sure it ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. He's the most lost of the lost boys. Yeah. <laughs> like he pops in, and you're like, oh yeah, that one. <laughs> he's definitely on the not of the uh, Duggar hotter not list. Yeah. He's getting. <laughs> he is on the not side. Yep. So uh, they, I mean, the the time there is very short. It's like mm-hmm. here's an ostrich. Two of you sit on him, and it's yeah. over. It's very. And what it and being completely honest with like the stuff in the beginning with Joe, the harp was cool, but it felt like they probably didn't get enough footage of interesting things at the ostrich meeting, so they were like, <laughs> yeah. Crap, "We got to put something in here." You know what I mean? So yeah, it's a really weird episode. Mm-hmm. So they've been given some ostrich eggs to take home. So now back at the Tater Top Mansion, they're getting ready to fix breakfast for dinner. Mm-hmm. So they have the kids kind of gathered around while Cannon tries to crack one of the ostrich eggs open. And she's doing it on like the sink, mm-hmm. like edge and then kind of like the middle part. And it's it's actually making the sink move more than it's doing like any it's cracking thick, of yeah. the egg. So it takes several like pretty hard hits for her to even begin to crack it and then she mm-hmm. has to like peel it you know what i yeah. mean like mm-hmm. like little pieces off and then crack the membrane because it's really thick mm-hmm. so just a little interesting tidbit one ostrich egg yielded seven cups worth mm-hmm. of like liquid yeah so they end up making omelets out of it you ever had ostrich eggs no have you mm-hmm. oh when did once. you have it at a, a catering event when I worked for that big catering company. Oh, really? Like, why did you guys have it? Like, what was the reason? It was part of some, um, if I remember, I thought it was like, it was an omelet application as like a small plate, but I don't remember. It was about like the, ooh, ah, uh, we used a lot of like game meats and like stuff that wasn't super traditional. And I, I remember we did the ostrich egg. Um, we didn't do them on site. We actually cracked them at the shop. Yeah, because it would take forever. And you know what we actually did, which was a did thing. Did you drill that, it? Yeah, we drilled it. Mm-hmm. Yep. We drilled a drilled a hole in the bottom and then kind of like shook it and then it all kind of came out. So. Well, let me get to this next part and then I'll ask you a question. So, like I said, they end up making omelets out of it. And Hanny, our adventurous little one, she enjoys everything. She she loves the music. She's dancing. Remember at the Ethiopian restaurant, she was like, I like the food. And then they're like, what? And she's like, the part where you eat it. (laughs) Yeah. So She has Mildred energy. Exactly. Maybe that's why we love Hanny so much. They're kind of of fucking crazy, but they're fucking adorable. Yeah. They're little maniacs running all over the place. Mm -hmm. They love their food. Yep. They're just having a good time. Yep. Hanny, damn, Hanny and Mildred, two there of a kind. Go. Two yep. peas in a little fucking pod. <laughs> there we go. Uh, idea for some a sticker of, of a little cartoon version of Hanny holding Mildred. <laughs> Katie. Yep. Katie. Katie, get on that. <laughs> so, um, so Hanny, she's like, she likes it. But, you know, some of the Duggars, they didn't. Like Josiah, he wasn't a big fan. Mm-hmm. And there's a pop-up box, box on the screen that says that out of the 19 Duggars that tried the ostrich egg, 15 of them liked it. Mm-hmm. So here's my question. What did it taste? Like, Michelle ends up saying, like, oh, I thought it was really good. She said it was rich and fluffy. Mm-hmm. And she said it tasted healthy. 
Which is really weird. How would you describe... Like, you tried it, I'm assuming. I did, yeah. So, texture-wise, for me, it was exactly... It was like a more stiff scrambled egg. So, not fluffier, like she said? It didn't seem fluffier to me, but that could also be presentation and how it was prepared as opposed to, like, the actual item. I will say that it was really rich. They they looked... The yolks look rich. Yeah. So, like, when you see... You ever seen duck eggs where the yolk is, like, might as well be orange? It's so dark. Think of that idea is kind of how it is. It's very rich. Um, Well, you know, yolks is my favorite part of the egg, so would I really like it? I think you would. Um, it was like a really. I know. I don't know how to describe this. It was a really eggy egg. Okay, so then maybe I wouldn't. And that's not a bad thing. See, here's like, the thing. It's not I like really funk. like yolks, but like the whites is the part I don't like. Mm-hmm. But I mean, here's the thing. That, that makes it sound like I don't eat like a, an over easy. I, I do, but like my favorite part is the yolk. Like, mm-hmm. I will never order an egg white omelet. You will never... Fu- I don't care. It'll, oh, no. it'll never fucking happen. Mm-mm. But so when you say eggy, is it the white? We're, we're really dissecting this. Is it eggy as in extra yolky or eggy as in extra, extra whitey? See, so then would I like it? Because... I think I think you would. Okay. Because mm-hmm. if it's extra whitey in egg taste, no thank you. <laughs> I will always remember... There is a very um, prestigious resort here in town, and they used to do. They used to host thousands of people during this one part of the year. So I remember I worked there as a temp worker, just to get some some cash in between jobs. And I worked there for like six days, I think. And we would feed these people breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And during breakfast, I worked an omelet, egg and omelet station. And the the worst ones, every single, most of these people were from out of state. And the worst ones were the ones that would come through and they would give me all the ingredients that they wanted in their omelet. And they'd be like, I want this, this, this. And I'm like, okay. And so I would put a little bit of oil in their pan. And then as they were talking, I would start putting the ingredients. And then they would look and go, I don't want any oil, please. So then I would like... How do you want me to fucking cook all the shit that's supposed to go in your goddamn omelet? So I would I would pour it into the trash, wipe it out, and then I would put that stuff there. And then what I would try not to tell them was that we had like like oil um, like spray. So it wasn't butter. It wasn't any... It wasn't peanut oil. Like it was... What the fuck do they want you to make an omelet without any fucking oil? Fuck mm-hmm. off. The worst part was then they would do that and then they would go, oh, and I only want egg whites. And I would literally, there was, they hit a point where they'd be like, I want, I want an egg white omelet with this, this, and this, no oil or spray, please. And I would literally tell them, it's going to be a scramble because I can't do that. Egg white, especially on its own, like, and not stick. Trash. It's pure protein. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gonna sticky. Stick. It's, yeah. Not trash if you eat it for breakfast. I'm just saying, like, cooking wise, it's, it's impossible. You have to have some sort of fat in that pan in order to make it work. So, Whenever I hear like egg whites and egg white omelets, I'm like, no, those people. Because I did breakfast for them for like five days in a row. And by the last day, you could tell I was fucking over it because they'd be like, I don't want any. And I'd be like, it'll be a scramble. (laughs) Like I was over it. Exactly. Because then you can scrape it all off the bottom of the pan. That does. <laughs> oh, man. Because even on a brand new nonstick pan, it's not. I don't know why I'm going on about eggs. I'm sorry. It's okay. I understand. I do love a good egg. Yep. 
Tim loves eggs. <laughs> All right. So I think that's it for the episode. It's not, right. it was a weird one, not tons happening. Yeah. But really funny, again, that it focuses so much on Jilly Muffin. Too <laughs> yeah, perfect. How appropriate. Yep. I do have one egg-related question. Oh, man. Egg. The, it's <laughs> it's an egg-centric <laughs> episode. I, it was right on the tip of my tongue, and I could mm-hmm. not get it out. So yeah. I'm glad it's you did. It's egg-centric. Yep. We have a lot of excellent questions coming at the end of this. Yep, yep. So my question out there, just something to ponder. If you take a piece of toast oh, and you cut a hole in it. it. We're having that tomorrow for dinner and you and you cook the egg in it what is it called okay so what did you did you grow up eating it you no, didn't not right at all. okay so i did i'm gonna tell you my family called it eggs in a frame mm-hmm. and then i got out into the world and i'm like toad in a hole eggs yep. in a basket yeah i've heard uh what is it eggs in a fence i've seen eggs in a fa- fence i've, heard I've never in heard that in my before. fucking life mm-hmm. yeah it's eggs in a frame in my family which makes sense because the bread is like a little frame yeah, so. So, just curious. Something to think about. Delicious, though. One of my favorite egg applications or uh, presentations. <laughs> All right. Well, that was the egg segment. That was the, the egg, the segment, just with an extra G. That egg, one only works. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. All right. Moving on. <laughs> so, obviously... Today, we're going to be digging into Jill's book, Counting the Cost, that came out last week. Wait, Jill has a book? I know, right? (laughs) But just letting you all know now, this is going to be a Mm two-parter. Not only because the the book itself, I mean, it's chock full of things to talk about that I really want to give the proper attention it deserves, but also because I want to share about the lead up to the book as well as the reception of it, so... With there being stuff I want to talk about on both ends, too. It's just too much for one episode. I want to make sure it gets gets the proper care. It's going to be a double dig. Yep. There you go. A two-shoveler. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, let's start off with the announcement of the book. I know I've read this before, but I feel like it's worth revisiting. So when they announced it, their their statement was, The challenges we have faced, including lack of respect for boundaries greed, manipulation, and betrayal are not that much different than what many people in our audience have faced. A story that has been difficult yet hopeful. However, 15 plus years of reality television undergirded by secrecy and lies is tantamount to pouring gasoline on the fire of our struggle. While there was definitely support in the comment section, it was also riddled with comments calling her an entitled rich girl. People telling her that she's selling out her family for a buck. Ironic. Mm-hmm. Old Biddy saying, I won't be buying this book. Thank okay. you for letting everyone know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a personal favorite of mine as an example of some of the vibe. I'm afraid you will live to regret this one day. Lots of people have had issues in their families, but don't need to tell the whole world. Humiliate their parents and profit off of it. I can only pray that you raise your children perfectly and that you don't end up in a book one day. That is so like, oh, so like, it's just minimizing all of the bullshit. All of it. Like, it's, it's like, like, oh, they scolded you once and now you're mad at them. It's yeah. like, oh, honey, that's not, 
even remotely the case. Because this is just about her parents not being like absolutely perfect. perfect. Like mm-hmm. not about, you know, abuse in practically every form almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, just the Jim Bob apologists. Yep. They just irk. Or, you know, and even if they don't specifically mention it, it's the idea. It's the same shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just irks me to my fucking core. Those are like wrong side of history type comments where it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, you might want to th- rethink that one. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, <laughs> she's talking about her having a regret. And I'm like, you probably won't regret this because you're probably this type of person. But it's like, yep. no, I think you're the one. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a vibe for some, some of the comments, including the one that Jed liked where he started getting all, excuse me, if you remember <laughs> when we talked about that. And... But I do still want to reiterate that there was a lot of support. But in typical fashion, these negative type comments really stick out. Even, I mean, I'm not even fucking Jill. Like, what do I fucking care? But <laughs> even to me, they just like, they stick out to me as I scroll. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it was mostly crickets publicly from the Duggar camp when the book was first announced. But according to Jill, Lego sent a text out in the family thread after the announcement saying that this was so sad and that anyone who spoke out against him and Michelle would be cut off from their inheritance. Cool, bro. So homie ain't coping well at the curtain being pulled back. Sucks who, to suck, asshole. Who also assumed that Jill was even going to get anything? Like at this point, you know what <laughs> right? I mean? Yeah. Like the relationship is But I think awful. that the threat is to all of them. It's not just about Jill, you know, it's to oh, everyone. Oh, so it's yeah. more about controlling the That's other That's what I'm saying, not, yeah. It's, yeah okay. it's the entire family text. It's like if mm-hmm. you, yeah, it's not even it's also, about, it's not about her at this point. I think that he's well aware and she's well aware. Yeah. It's also that like victim mentality. And you see this in parts of the book where like, God, you're just so you make yourself the victim in everything. Everything. Everything Fucking is just everything. such a slight. He will not take accountability at all. And when he does, it's always we'll get to it. But it's always like he starts to, and then he. Uh, and or then it's it, like uh, backhanded. Yes, like it's, it's always like one sentence, and then it's like, and then it went sideways. Yeah. He he can't take accountability. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. He's not he's not handling well and gives us a pretty good indication of where things probably stand today if that was just with the announcement of the book. So fast forward to the week leading up to its release as Jill starts doing press. And I took away a few key things from her various interviews. One of my favorites was her mention of anger, saying, quote, People are quick to say, oh, anger is bad. But I'm like, no, anger can be a good thing especially when it propels you to advocate for people finding their voice. Mm -hmm. And to me, that statement right there is testament to the work she's done, Mm -hmm. the therapy she's had, her growth, and all of the, like, unlearning she's had to do. Yeah. Like, I feel like being told that anger is okay can be very validating for a lot of people, not Mm -hmm. even just people in this type of situation. I had my own therapy experience where, like, I kind of broke down when my, uh, when Barb, um, like, she told me it was okay for me to be angry at my mom. You know, it's like, there's, Mm -hmm. there's a certain, like, comfort in just kind of being told that. I feel like even for the average person, Mm -hmm. for less of a, lack of a better word, um, and I never even, I never even grew up like Jill where it was actively taught and ingrained in you to not feel your feelings. So I bet for her to hear that was, like 
truly getting permission mm. for the first time in her, literally for the first time in her life, to feel that and not be made to feel bad for having that feeling. Mm-hmm. I talk about it at work a lot where there's a lot of like, you can come in and obviously this is relating it to a work thing, but it's like you can come in and be frustrated with the situation that you're walking into. That happens to everybody. That level of frustration or that little bit of anger happens all the time. But it's like, what do you do with it? What do you, yeah, have those feelings. Now, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And like a lot of things I've seen in therapy, they're like anger is good because it shows your, it shows your feeling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you haven't, it's the first step to actually like working through something. Right. So one more thing that stood out to me amongst her interviews was this, quote, I know there will be naysayers, but I feel called to do this. We really want to tell our story for my siblings because some of them are going to face similar challenges if they haven't already to what I've faced. And as we dig in, it becomes very clear why this may be the only way that some of her siblings could ever hear her side of the story. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they're like the, I mean, you can tell. They're the book ban types as it is. <laughs> but man, can you imagine the ban on this book? Oh, yeah. In Legoland? Mm-hmm. He's probably checking phones for digital downloads, you know. <laughs> um, Jana, 33 years old. But if Jana wants to read this book, she better do it in one fucking sitting at a coffee shop somewhere and like delete. Because <laughs> I bet there's. I bet there's probably like a basket at the night at the end of the night where she still probably has to turn her phone into, you know, it's like, yeah, place the phone in the basket. Like, <laughs> like I, I bet at this or I guess if it would be Michelle, it would be like, place the phone in the basket. But yeah, I, I think that's the only way that they could. Yeah. Like read it, honestly. Mm hmm. Ahead of its release, Lego Hair and Canon gave this statement. We love all of our children very much. As with any family, few things are more painful than conflicts or problems among those you love. We've aimed to deal honorably with our children, our finances, and our other endeavors. Honorably, they say. <laughs> While imperfect, it is our intent and desire to live a life that honors Christ. We do not believe the best way to resolve conflicts, facilitate forgiveness and reconciliation, or to communicate through difficulties is through the media or in a public forum, so we will not comment. As the future unfolds, we will continue to love our family, pray for them, and enjoy every moment gifted to us to be parents and grandparents. This this statement fucking enrages me on so many levels. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I should get into it right now. Like, truly, it's... But I I wanted to at least share it. But I just... One thing I will say is the whole thing about, like, we're while imperfect, I feel like people use the, well, I never claim to be perfect or I'm perfect. Can a reasonable, does a reasonable person know that none of us are perfect? Yes. A fucking reasonable person gets that. Mm -hmm. But so often it's used as a way to not really take accountability. And I fucking can't stand it. If I got written up at work 
and they said these things that I did wrong, and this is why I'm writing, I'm getting written up. And I responded, well, I never claimed to be perfect. Does it feel like I'm taking it seriously? Because it doesn't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But fucking honorably, my fucking ass. <laughs> Once they- again, it's that same victim shit. Of, always. Like, we're not going to say anything. You know, as we always saying- do. Exactly. As we're fucking saying something. Mm-hmm. God. So, days before the book's release, Jessa announces her pregnancy. I mean, I'm normally on the thing of, like, I mean, I've, like, I've talked about how I was, like, asked if I was pregnant and I was not pregnant. Usually, I I err on the side of, like, let's not talk about women being pregnant if we don't know. But there was a picture that came out of Jessa. We know what she looks like pregnant. She's very clearly pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so, everybody was like, oh, look, she's going to announce it right before. And what do you fucking know? That's exactly what happens. Um (laughs) speculative as a tactic to try to draw attention away Mm -hmm. do we know for a fact you know i don't know but very plausible and definitely a it lines up with past behaviors as well so and oddly ginger and jeremy appeared on the tamron hall show the day of jill's book release which i guess some could argue that she showed some support for jill on that day as it was, like, her book was part of what they discussed. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, like, I watched the whole thing, the whole segment. And I came away from it feeling like you couldn't let Jill just have this day. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, Ginger has been peddling her book for, like, nine fucking months now. Could you not just, could you just not for, like, one single day? You know? And she did say, man... Jill's a brave girl, and I think that her coming out and telling her story, I'm so glad that she's found her voice. I love and support her, and I know that is the hardest thing to do, having just gone through that process. So I understand that she's offering some supportive words. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was just a small part of the interview, and the rest of it was like checking in with her after her book, because she'd been there for her book. And I'm like, you couldn't just like... For one goddamn day, you couldn't just like we we get it. The you got the putty out of your hair. We get it, you know. Yeah. What's um? Just because I don't know, which means there's probably at least two people out there that don't know either. What kind of show is Tamron Hill? Hall. Tamron Hall. Just like your daytime, like. Okay, it isn't gear like religious, or it's no, just no, a regular no. like daytime she, show. A little side tidbit for you: she used to be on TLC. She used to be the one that like ran the reunions for Sister Wives back in the day. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, and then now she has a talk show. So without no, ownership, not... she was the Andy Cohen of yeah, kind TLC. Of, kind without of. ownership, <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so now let's dig into the book. I do want to note, usually on the digs. Um, uh, Whitney does that research, and then I kind of come into it as comic relief. Um, I am also reading the book, and I'm like 80% through it. Yeah, so, so he read enough to get through what we're we're talking about mm-hmm. today. So turning the title page, I already got the feels just reading the dedications page. Did you read that? Yep. Here's some of the parts that got me. To those who have been harmed in the name of religion... Love that religion is in quotations. To those who have suffered behind closed doors and have yet to find their voice. Mm. 
to those have begun to find their voice but may still be living in a season of isolation. From victims and and survivors to strangers, families, and friends, this book is dedicated to you. May you all know that you are not alone, that your story, your voice, and your mental health matter. And I feel like this really sets it up to how much of her story can be relatable to many. Maybe you haven't been on TV. (laughs) Maybe you're not a part of IBLP. Mm -hmm. But I just think there's, like like a lot of people can relate to having difficult family relationships. Mm -hmm. Or finding your voice to finally speak up and advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. Learning to draw boundaries. So there's so many just various things throughout it that people can take away from her story. So I think that this was a solid start just even on that very first page. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the first thing. That was the only thing I read because it finally downloaded. I'm reading it on Kindle. And I it finally downloaded on Kindle like three something in the evening or in the afternoon. So that was the first thing I read before I left work. So starting off, Jill discusses her childhood. And it's interesting how I remember even back watching the show in its first run. As much as I knew they depended on Jana, and still still do, <laughs> I remember always feeling like Jill was their favorite, at least girl-wise. <laughs> mm-hmm. We know Josh is their pride and fucking joy. But as far as the girls go, I always felt like she was like the golden girl, you mm-hmm. know. Thank you for being a friend. Or, no, in this episode, it was she was baking bread. Thank you for baking the bread. There it is. Very nice. And we see how true that was in this book. Mm-hmm. Lego would point to her as an example to the other kids because she was sweet Jilly Muffin after all. Mm-hmm. Interesting, too, that she specifically notes that when asked about the kids and he thought that none of them were listening... He would say, Jill's so sweet, so kind and caring. Out of all my daughters, she's the most like Michelle. <laughs> Way to pit your kids up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's, you, You're secretly my favorite. Yeah. Way to, way mm-hmm. to make, you know, if she could hear, the others could hear. Yep. That's the point. Mm-hmm. It, remind, <laughs> it reminds me of the Simpsons episode where Bart and Lisa both start playing hockey. And they're playing hockey eventually against each other. And like Homer, if one of them has a good game, like Homer, Homer's they're like the favorite child. And then when they're playing against each other, Homer's like yelling that whoever's going to win this game is going to be their favorite. And like Lisa does something good and he's like, Lisa's the favorite. And then like, you know what I mean? But it's yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And, you know, Jill, she liked and she wanted that approval, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of kids do. Yeah. It's not uncommon. But I think in her case, it's a bit amplified because of how much, number one, how much things like character are emphasized or, you know, being an encouragement to others. But even further, I think that praise like that and kind of getting like singled out as an example, when you're in a massive sea of kids, it kind of means even more, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just think it kind of amplifies it. Well, there's like multiple chunks. You're going to seek it out even more. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think there's multiple levels of it, too. Like, you're amongst tons of kids and trying to stand out above the crowd. But then you're also amongst the older girls that are, like, raising those younger kids. And you're also trying to be the kind of the favorite one out of that group. You know what I mean? Yep. And I do like it because I remember when I read the part and she said, I became a hunter. 
I remember stopping at that point because something happened around me and then being like, what does she mean she became a hunter? And then she starts calling herself Sweet Jilly Muffin Approval Hunter. Yeah. And I love, first of all, it sounds like a video game or a comic book character. So We should make her into a little cartoon character that goes around like, it's like pixelated and she's hunting yep. for approval. Mm-hmm. Or like a comic book cover yeah. of Sweet Jilly Muffin Approval Hunter. Yeah. yeah. So that was, I just thought that was funny that she presented herself in that way. Yep. And, you know, and it comes like Ginger said the same thing. And again, it's not that it's uncommon for you to look for that, but it's like they're they're on a different level. Like yeah. the standards were super high. There's a million mm-hmm. kids. All you want is for your parents to like fucking like you. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that I found funny when she talks about how talking about her childhood, she mentions how they prepped the kids a lot in role play type situations. Mm. You know the the type of dangerous situations we. We all face regularly, <laughs> like being offered a book that has a witch in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Glad to hear Baby All Gone is still getting work these days. <laughs> Good for her. Or being invited to watch a movie with people who are immodestly dressed. Mm-hmm. The dangers of today. No matter the role play, the answer was always supposed to be, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. I'm not able to do that. <laughs> This reminds me of a. I've been seeing a lot of like dare program memes, which for any of any of our fellow diggers that are outside the states, dare was a program that was supposed to teach kids to stay off of drugs, um, and it was like a meme of one of the teachers, and they made his eyes all like different directions, and it said every dare teacher when I was in school, and it was like people are going to be offering you free drugs and alcohol all the time. <laughs> That's what this reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's everywhere. Just everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) But it made me think of my own childhood. And although it was very strict and conservative, we were never prepped in these like kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. The only thing we were actually prepped for in a like role play or scenario running type situation was for things that were like regarding actual safety. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like in my family, and I think I just told you this recently, but, like, we had a code word. So, I I think, can I tell the people the code word now, or is that just too dangerous? No, do it. It was goldfish. (laughs) But that was our family code word. And I remember, it was probably when I was getting ready to start kindergarten. Mm -hmm. I remember my mom being like, if anything happens, and, like, I'm not here to pick you up from the bus stop. If someone were to come, like, someone were to come to pick you up. They would need to give you the code word for you to go with them. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, in my little hick, little kid head, like, trying to come up with what it could be. And I said, what if it's Alice? We had a name, neighbor named Alice. Mm-hmm. And, like, in my head, that was somebody who could possibly come pick me up. And she was like, no, because it could be just somebody who looks like Alice. Which unlocked a whole <laughs> new fear for me. Oh, a whole God. new, like, sphere of, like, oh, my God, are there people out there just, like, going and putting on, like disguises to look like people to like trick me you know it started it unlocked a whole new fear don't didn't need that but but she was telling me like even if it was alice it it could just not be alice and it looks like alice but even if it was alice i would give her the code word so that was what i was thinking of and it occurred to me that these fucking wackadoodles like 
to them, the other stuff that they mentioned, that, like, is the ultimate danger to them. Mm-hmm. So, because we've seen, like, blatant disregard for their safety and well-being, you know, over the years, both physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's really the immodest dress and the witches you got to prepare your kids for, you know? That's true, yeah. Yeah, forget all the other stuff. Yeah. So, like, the only time I was prepped, it was literally, like, don't get kidnapped. And for them, it's, like, the shorts, the tank tops. Like, it's just, like, it's... But to them, that's, like, their biggest concern. They, give a, they yeah. don't give a fuck about you being safe. We've seen it. They're, like, but the witches. Do you think? Do you think the kids got older and had, once again... The internet strikes again, but it was like as a as a child, I thought stop, drop, and roll was going to be a bigger part of my life oh, yeah, than like it actually was. That's how. It feels. Do you think they got older and they're like, "Wow, not a whole <laughs> lot of people have offered me a book with the witch in it." Oh yeah, weird. <laughs> They've been prepared for it their entire life, <laughs> yeah, and it yeah, never they, happens. Yeah, never been able to pull that one God. out of their holster. I just want to present them one with like with a book sometime and be like, "There you go. <laughs> you can finally use that one." Um. Also, while we're talking about childhood, sign me up for Jana's Club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me set the stage a little for those who haven't read the book. There's a part about various clubs that they had as kids. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the What Would Jesus Do Club, where mm-hmm. they made bracelets. And then there was a boys only club. I I didn't write down, but was it like they called it like the, the, boy, the boycott club? Yeah, that's what it was. Yep. So... It was a boys-only club until little Jilly Muffin offered up two bucks, and then they accepted. Um, they accepted her, which you know, Duggar men and money, so we know. <laughs> but it was Pest, JD, and two other boys, and they handed out like tracts, and they were boy- boycotting a local gas station for selling the pornography. Mm-hmm. Ironic. Yeah, no shit. But here's the main. Here's the main draw. <laughs> they ate pickles. <laughs> And as much as I do like pickles, I'd still pick Janice Club because <laughs> they met in a shed and they ate ice cream. That was their main. That was the main draw here. It sounds like my kind of club. Girl knows how to raise kids and run a fucking club. <laughs> so kudos, Jana. Yep. I'd be part of the shed ice I- I cream. I hope there's club like jackets that say "Sickum" for shed ice cream. <laughs> yep. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, Sickum. <laughs> but wait, what's the M? Shed Nothing. Ice That's just oh. S-I-C. Oh, okay. Yep. I was like, what's the M part? But yeah, Eat I would... more. Um, did you... Were you part of a club as a child? <sighs> Not really, no. I was never part of any like Not even in like club. school or anything. No, no, I was never part of school. Sh- I mean, we didn't do any extracurricular. My <laughs> parents weren't doing any of that shit. <laughs> but in my neighborhood, because before we moved to Peoria, when I lived in Phoenix, I had a very Sandlot childhood. And I loved it until we moved. And we did have one club and we had bracelets that we made. And we would, like, we, like, one house, like, when people moved out, nobody moved in. We'd meet in, like, this empty house. We just, like, broke into a house and, like, met in the house. I remember, like, Was writing there pickles my... involved? No pickles. Ice cream? I remember no food, which is weird because I have no, food I'm details. Good. So. I'm good without this club. But I do remember, like, the boys skateboarding and, and me, like, riding my bike inside the empty pool. That's, That's pretty cool. cool. That is really cool. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, we just like broke into like an empty house and just like had our fucking club meetings. It's like it's fucking awesome. Any hoozle. So um, just on that note, I just included these like funny little lighter moments because the book gets uh 
much darker and emotional mm-hmm. as it progresses. So it's kind of just nice to hear some of these like lighter, good memories of hers. Yeah. Another story she tells um, was interesting because it completely lined up with what we were just talking about a few episodes ago. Yep. She says it was an older sibling, which only leaves three, pe- three, <laughs> three people. There's not <laughs> like a whole options. lot to... Yeah. It's not like um, Jennifer is saying an older sibling. It's a little <laughs> different. So one of her three older siblings... Um, so one day they're out and they're in the car and they said, don't look, there's a bad girl dressed immodestly over there. And apparently, Baby Cannon got after them and said not to think down on others for how they dress and talked about how she used to not know any better herself, blah, blah, blah. It's a rich lady. Uh, so I guess, I'm, I mean, I guess I'm glad that she said something, whatever. But my point was still served up on a silver fucking platter mm-hmm. in this story. It's like, don't act shocked when that's your kid's takeaway after you yammer on about it since the day they were fucking born, you mm-hmm. know? Don't be all, like, shocked Pikachu face it, as if you don't know where they got that from. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was funny, where I was just like, oh, we were just talking about that. <laughs> it's also, it goes back to what we talked about, like, the, oh, well, bless their heart kind of thing, where it's like she's promoting that, like, you shouldn't talk down or think less of these people that do these things. But then on the other side of my mouth, I'm saying how bad it is when people do all these things exactly. like you can't talk out of both sides kids, of your mouth like that kids you can't they, they're not they're going to absorb the one, the one end where it's it's bad that's it hmm? that's all you're sending me mixed signals here lady yep i mean i say this when i'm out in public too there's a bad girl dressed immodestly there i i exclaim that out into the world you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. yep um i'm not going to get too deep into the beginnings of the show because i feel like we've talked about that several different points so Mm -hmm. i don't feel like it's super necessary but i did want to talk about how jill mentions feeling uncomfortable self-conscious and nervous about it Mm -hmm. but that there were perks yeah like how they paid for their groceries that was an interesting story so maybe now we understand why there was such a push for all the aldi content in those early discovery Mm -hmm. days yeah um, instead of beans, ramen, and beef and bean burritos, they got name brand cereal, yep. pizza, ice cream sandwiches, and all beef chimichangas. <laughs> None of that filler, damn it. If I ever meet Jill, I'm going to give her an all beef chimichanga, and she's going to be confused, but I'll be like, girl, I get it. <laughs> I, did, I did think that was fascinating, because I, I think without saying as much, she pretty much talked about how, like, they were kind of fucking poor well, yeah. there in the beginning. She said, for once, the week ahead wasn't going to be filled with tater tot casserole or bean sandwiches. Bean sandwiches. Very, uh, very British. Um, Beans on toast. I felt that, though. I-, I know what it's like to be excited for fun foods that you don't normally have access to. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I get it. And I just point this out because as much as they want to sell it, there is no buying used and saving the difference out of poverty. Mm-hmm. When you have finite resources and an infinite number of kids. Right. Not to mention the fact that they're actively discouraged to not take out loans or work for other people and things like that, which we'll eventually get to. So just to say that their options are even more narrow and limited. Mm-hmm. But they try to sell this idea that it, you know, it just, it all works out as long as you're faithful and obedient. <laughs> but many IBLP families 
lived or live in poverty and their faithfulness is, was, whatever, to the detriment of their children's health and well-being. Yep. So as much as they are fucking rich now, it's only, they're an anomaly. It's because of the show. Yeah. It's not like they just worked their way out of living in, in that. Yeah. You're eating of... fucking bean sandwiches and tater tot casserole every every goddamn day in ramen. Yeah. So it just annoys me. It's like this, this thing that they sell versus the actual fucking reality is yeah. two very different things. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a level of personal s- conflict in there with you because we've we've talked about that. Where like, I think a lot of the things in part of your childhood were definitely you didn't have the level of support that you needed as a child, but some of the reasons that it was done were done because of faith type because things. of faith yeah. and because yeah. of the church that you grew up in. Yeah, and it was like as you as a child, it's like I would much rather have not had my father do that and more like provide for your family exactly, yeah. you know what i mean yeah so, so it becomes that give and take of like that's not good enough mm-hmm. like you should be providing for your for your family yep so this next part is a recurring theme throughout the book particularly one that we will talk about in the second portion but it first comes up when she discusses the first of many times that pest was sent away <laughs> she talks of how they grew up being constantly told not to stir up contention in the brethren. In the brethren. A.K.A. don't even talk to your own siblings. Yeah. She said, quote, it was a way for our parents to keep us siblings from talking badly about each other or putting anyone down. But over the time, it became something else, something more sinister. Mm-hmm. By preventing us from discussing anything controversial or sensitive with each other, the instruction not to stir up contention among the brethren became a tool for silence for control, for guilt. It makes them feel bad for having these thoughts or these feelings or, yep. Feelings aren't allowed. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, doesn't it sound eerily familiar to Bill Gothard telling the IBLP staff not to talk to each other when the whole Steve Gothard Mm -hmm. uh, scandal was in, you know, happening Mm -hmm. and to only give good report. So, very, um, Mm -hmm. all cut from the same fucking cloth. Yep. Garbage. Later on in the book, regarding the same topic, she says, quote, All the times I'd been warned not to stir up contention among the brethren had left their mark on me. I was hardwired not to be critical of my parents to anybody, not my siblings, not my pastor, and certainly not to my friends. The thought of doing it nauseated me. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it just really drives home just how deep it is for them. It's, yeah. it's again, those things that you know, but then when you hear it put into words of like, I mean, like I was literally, t- it makes you realize like the ones who we're just like, God, you know, even now who are still so deeply in it, mm. they are still in that place. They yep. are still so, they can't even imagine mm-hmm. these things. This book is full of manipulation and control, but. That was just a huge one for me because that sticks out because it's it starts so early, mm-hmm. spreads so far into all areas of life, and has such lasting effects. Yep. I've talked before about how even being siblings raised in the same home by the same parents, me and my sister still have different experiences. Mm-hmm. But your siblings are the closest people in your life who may have 
any type of understanding about you and like what you're going through and what your experience is. And to be raised being told you can't even talk to them Mm -hmm. is not only incredibly sad to me, but downright cruel. Imagine having 18 siblings, but you can't have a real in-depth conversation or relationship with any of them because you're not allowed to actually talk about things. Mm-hmm. You know, the girl, they can't talk about boys they might like. That's that's only to be discussed with their parents. <laughs> so you're surrounded by your siblings day in and day out of your entire fucking life. But you're literally taught to only have surface relationships with them. Because mm-hmm. you can't discuss anything of actual substance. Well, most of them you're raising yourself. So, <laughs> True. I mean... <laughs> I know. You're like, God, I got enough of you. I, I mean, I'm raising it. I'm... But, you look at you look at Jill and you're like, you're not there to be their friend. You're there to be their parent. Exactly. Yeah. But it's just sad to think that those older girls are just like, it's your sibling and you can't mm-hmm. have a real relationship with them. Yep. This this next story, um, I'm particularly glad she shared it because it really highlights Lego's manipulative and controlling nature, and and while of course. The family suffers the brunt of it. It showcases how he really is just that way in general, <laughs> um, even to non-family members, because he is always right in his mind. Mm-hmm. So setting this up a little, another regular phrase in Legoland was a window of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Not only was this Jim Bob's go-to phrase for as to why they did the show in the first place, it was also his go-to way of manipulating people into doing what he wanted. Yep. So in this particular story, Lego is trying to convince a friend of the family to participate in some sort of filming for the show, selling it as a way to reach many people, people who he said would never step foot in church, but watch their show weekly. So apparently this guy is hesitant, saying Jesus talked to people individually, too, and that he thinks that that's still important today. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that pisses Lego off. He's not used to pushback. Mm hmm. So he responded, quote, just picture yourself in a stadium. And he always has these big, like, there's other things that came up earlier in the book that it wasn't worth, like, me talking about, like, quoting. But mm-hmm. he always has these big analogies. Like, yeah. It's a big mm-hmm. lecture. It's a big analogy. Very IBLP. And, but it's just, it's a form of manipulation. Like, all mm-hmm. of it. So he says, just pick your, picture yourself in a stadium and someone gives you a microphone you can speak to everyone in the stadium and tell them about the Lord. You'd take that opportunity in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? I mean, it's a no-brainer, right? It's the right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's no brainer right? Right? Well, you have to be an idiot to not agree with me, right? <laughs> yeah, it's such a manipulative <laughs> tone, you know, and delivery. It's also kind of jacking himself off. Oh, absolutely. It's like, well, I mean, this is what I did, and... You know, never mind the fact that we're no longer eating bean sandwiches. Um, you know, this is about me preaching the Lord. Always. He, he uses that a lot. And when this guy is still uninterested, saying if the Lord told him to speak to one man rather than a crowd, he'd follow that. Lego gets even more pissed. He shakes his head and says, uh-uh, no way. God would never tell you to do that. <laughs> So he knows what God would tell this person, first of all. 
So a great illustration of how his way is the only way. He knows what God would tell people. Mm -hmm. And even when it involves people outside their family. But also noteworthy because it seems to be an early instance where Jill takes notice of her dad's actions. Mm -hmm. She says that this stunned her and she felt that it was a going against everything he had taught them growing up about how little is much when God is in it. And that she felt he was going against how Jesus ministered, you know, to people, not just crowds. And that this left her feeling confused and actually kind of sad. Mm -hmm. We will see this play out again later today. But manipulation aside, it also really shows off his ego. So now we're going to get to the part about meeting Derek. Which we always knew Lego was the one that facilitated all of it and set it all up. But it was funny to read just how uninterested Jill was in the beginning. And she seemed... How ironic. (laughs) Like her mother. Yeah. She seemed particularly resistant because she was like kind of embarrassed by her dad pushing it so hard. Which is funny how in today's episode it was like, they always go to their dad for advice. Meanwhile, yeah. he pushed Jarek on her and you know he regrets every, <laughs> he regrets that every single goddamn day of his life yeah. now. And but I it, love it. <laughs> but it's also weird because I think in non, in situations that are not like courtship related like this, you know, you're, you're daughter son meets somebody and you're like oh they're really into this person or they're like talking to him a lot in our day you would talk to them on a corded phone for a long time you know what i mean and take (laughs) the line you know but in this it becomes that weird thing of like can my dad and this guy get a room please like that's what it felt like when he was like Jill, I'm talking to this guy on the phone. Yeah. It's like, you, come here, come here. It was like, come talk. And like she'd like he'd put him on speakerphone, and she'd be like, I didn't really say anything. Like, yeah, like <laughs> it, it. What went through my head when I read this part was like, if they were like roommates or like girlfriends or something, when like Lego hair would answer the phone and he'd be like, hello, and then when he would answer, he would like mouth, it's. You know what I mean? And then he'd be like, hold on, she's right here. I'm going to put you on hold. And then he would mute it and they would both go, ah! What was that game with the phone? With the girl, like the dating game? Like, Oh like, my God, good. yes. Dream phone. It was oh dream. I remember playing it at a sleepover in the 90s at my friend's house. And we were all like rolling our eyes trying to act like it was fucking lame. And we all loved it. <laughs> But this was like dream phone, but like initially between Lego and Derek and then eventually Jill. But it's like a fucking dream phone. Yeah. And then to Lego hair, it became nightmare phone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, But yeah, Derek is definitely like enemy number one now in his world. So there's just like this. There's just such a a level of satisfaction knowing it's like you brought him into the mix bro Mm -hmm. like such satisfaction in that and i (laughs) i love it there's an episode of the simpsons where they there's a lot of simpsons episode or references in this one but they go on a vacation and in the like the little beach house that they're in the only game to play is a version of dream phone Mm -hmm. so it ends up being like homer and marge lisa found some cool friends while on her vacation so it becomes like millhouse bart marge 
and Homer are playing like dream phone <laughs> and they have to like draw a card and it's like their dream date and Milhouse got or somebody got like the nerd and he looks at Milhouse and goes, look, it's you, Poindexter. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, if well, you ever can thrift a working version of Dream Phone, oh, oh, uh, I think you and I could do a, an Instagram live playing Dream Phone. I think it would <laughs> yeah, be so much I will, fun. I will keep an eye out. <laughs> but um, apparently this all worked. Jill got her her Dream Phone guy <laughs> because she ends up liking him after all. And they end up arranging to meet. He's still on his mission in Nepal. Um, good for Jill, though. She sticks to her guns telling... So what it is, is that they set it up through TLC to, you know, of course, because they don't want to miss out on filming this potential, <laughs> like, relationship. This is a big deal. To she's see the whether I, Lego she's... and uh, Derek want to take it to the next <laughs> yeah, level. They want to go all the way. Yeah. Um, it's the first daughter. So, I mean, they don't want to miss out on any of them, but it's the first daughter. So it's think of like the extra added like, whoa, to this. So they don't want to miss out on it. So it turns out that. It was supposed to be two weeks. Then TLC was like, well, we can only film for five days. But she was like, no, 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 no. She sticks up for herself. And she says, mm. I'm going for two weeks regardless. Um, so they end up agreeing to film a fake departure. Which now, watching that down the road, will be interesting knowing that it was all a lie. Yeah. So I guess lying is okay as long as it's like for the show. I'm <laughs> for sure. For the ministry. Yeah, Thank exactly. You. For the ministry. I'm sure there's some like IBLP text somewhere about like, you know, as long as it's for the ministry, lying is a-okay in their book. <laughs> but I'm happy for her because it's an early moment of her advocating for herself before mm -hmm. she even really finds that within herself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's an early moment of that. And, you know, she's like, I need to spend more time with a man that I'm considering marrying. So I, I definitely agree that two weeks over five days is pretty fucking important. Yeah. So they fall in love. They get engaged. I'm scared. You know, they get married. And they end up saying no to filming their honeymoon. Another good for them moment. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of funny because TLC's like, well, you know, we're not going to give you money for them. Like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're so used to money talking mm -hmm. that they're like well you know that means that we're not gonna offer money towards it yeah cool we're Kay. fine yeah they're just like we're good so kind of random thought that i had in all of this though i know it's like you brought it up because you were saying it's the first daughter getting married but it does make me a little sad for jenna <laughs> have to go in birth order i mean it doesn't have to be true you can get married whenever i, I got understand. married before yeah my sister that was older than me absolutely but it was just you were like she's the first daughter and i was like oh that's maybe janet doesn't want to be married she doesn't need to i'm not yeah. saying she has to yeah but... so in those early days it was interesting to read about derek and jill trying to navigate being newlyweds while derek is now really being thrown into the filming mix mm -hmm. like for real i think in the He's beginning living the life yeah, yeah i think at first it's like okay you came here and then also okay they're filming our wedding you kind of expect these things but then i think at a certain point it just kind of settles in. it's like oh this is what we're doing and it's like and he's working all day and then they're trying to film at night mm -hmm. and she's like some they would it was kind of interesting her being like at the time like the crew was getting irritated when he would want to 
stop and eat and he would be upstairs mm-hmm. for a while and they're like come on and then it's like funny because to them are like in their head they're like we're like volunteering to do this and then the crew is like you're being paid to be here you right, know so right. it's just a funny where they both don't like get it on the each end mm-hmm. so you know he's really now fully experiencing all of these expectations placed on them and and he's kind of like this is kind of crazy <laughs> And she's just like, I know, but we can't be, like, rocking the boat this early into marriage. So, a mere month into marriage, Jill's pregnant. Yeesh. Mm-hmm. And Derek kind of, he kind of, like, lets it rip for the first time and, you know, between them. Where he's getting angry when it comes to their pregnancy announcement. Mm-hmm. With all the restrictions and rules about it. When, how, and who could know. And he just kind of points out to her, like, if it's this bad with just the announcement, what is the birth going to be like? Right. And, and I, I think it's important to point out in all of this that because of the secrecy about the contract and, like, the what happened with TLC and what they can... Because of all the secrecy with all of that, I feel like neither of them knew the extent. Yeah. And I think that's kind of this undergo this this underlying thing of this part of the book in particular is the fact that nobody has all of the information except for Lego hair. Yeah. So when the kids even get the it, crew was like, huh? Like yeah. they're just like, you're supposed to be doing this. Like Yeah. So there's there's a lot of like when this when this couple started to step out of line you had people that didn't understand because they yeah. assumed things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they don't even know what the hell they're here for. Yep. Jill said, quote, even though I was now Mrs. Jill Dillard, I was still sweet Jilly Muffin. I wanted to please everyone, not just my husband, but my parents and the network as well. Mm-hmm. I was a mess of conflict and didn't know how to balance the feelings. All I really knew for sure was that I messed up and I didn't get my parents' blessing. I would be sinning by not following God's will. So the big difference between Jill and Ginger's books is Ginger's was largely focused on Bill Gothard and IBLP's teachings, mm-hmm. where Jill's book is much less focused on IBLP teachings and more on her relationships, mm-hmm. primarily her parents. Correct. Where the, the where the two books overlap in in just the teeniest tiniest way of overlapping is on the topic of authority mm-hmm. but still even so that topic um they both present it quite differently to me authority is the only real iblt teaching that jill references repeatedly and at length in her book mm-hmm. because it's the teaching that gives jim bob control which mm-hmm. is really the topic of her book at the end of the day right I'll discuss more about Jill and Ginger probably more next episode in the wrap-up because I I do have more to say about that. But for now, I just want to introduce how Jill's biggest IBLP concern seems to center around authority Mm -hmm. for understandable reasons. Because that one teaching alone can dictate literally all aspects of your life. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the the key principle. Like, you almost don't need any of the other principles as long as people buy into that single one. Mm-hmm. Truly. Um, I feel like it just trumps everything else because mm-hmm. then anything can be done. Doesn't yeah. It doesn't matter. And it extends beyond, you know, I think, um, I think there's a mindset of, like, 
once you get out of your parents' house, you kind of have a level of freedom. And the systems of control break that because it becomes you're still under their thumb if you move out, after you get married. Technically, you and your spouse are under their thumb now. You know what I mean? On that note, she says at one point, quote, in the world of IBLP, the parents' authority didn't end when their children turned 18 or even the day they were married. They still talked about the Bible's teaching of leave and cleave and how couples should make decisions together. But it seemed like they didn't really believe it when it conflicted with the parental authority teaching. It meant it might change or look different, but parental authority never stopped, never weakened. Mm-hmm. Like all my siblings, I knew that I would always strive to honor and obey my parents, even when I was married and had kids of my own. Yep. Saying no, going against mom's or pop's wishes... It wasn't something I could ever imagine myself doing, especially since our beliefs aligned most of the, in most areas. Many times my parents had told us that one day we'd get married and do things a little differently and they ha- than they had. That's okay, they'd said, and so I believed that. When the time came, if my husband and I made some different decisions about things from the way I was raised, those decisions would be respected. And the reactions determined that was a lie. <laughs> But I agree with her entirely that they may sell this idea of leave and cleave, Mm -hmm. which we've heard them say in the show, but it's not true in practice. No. At all. And their actions have shown that it's not the case at all. And it's kind of funny. I keep my eye on this IBLP um, group online, Mm -hmm. and I was watching like someone posting being like, Jill keeps talking about her book about, you know, authority even after she's married. And I just cannot find it in a single teaching. And all these people are like, Bill Gothard never said that. And they're like, you know, maybe her parents taught that. Or I think that people just want to trash Bill Gothard. So that was this whole thing. Um, And what did it? We talked about. We had a whole episode Mm -hmm. on fucking the umbrella of authority. Yep. And remember, it becomes the chain of counsel. Mm-hmm. But to me, that is just another form of plausible deniability. Yep. They're, so then they can be like, no, no, no. We said that they're here to counsel you. Mm-hmm. We didn't say that they're here to control and that you have to obey everything. It's just counsel. But when everyone knows how that actually works when it goes into practice for with IBLP children, mm-hmm. you can say that all you fucking want. Everybody knows how it actually works. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's chain of counsel. <laughs> Fuck off. It's still a way to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're just like, she's just, ma- you know, maybe her parents did that, but that's not the teachings. Oh, and you're telling me that's not what like many of them are doing. <laughs> right. Get out of here. <laughs> I didn't know there was so many Bill Gothard stands still. Oh, yeah. I am. Yep. Reiterated in the book was what we learned in Shiny Happy People. How they compromised with TLC regarding Israel's birth by providing self-shot footage mm-hmm. rather than having the crew there. And I, I think I'll, I'll, for FYI, if you're like, oh, we didn't talk about this. I'll, there's a lot of topics that we'll be able to go into more depth when we talk about that specific topic right. as a dig, as always. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like when she talked about how Scott like started crying mm-hmm. when she was like saying no to having it filmed. Mm-hmm. And I... I because I didn't write it down, I'm going off the cuff right now. Um, like, it may not have been a manipulative thing, but to me, it still feels manipulative. It's like, yeah. oh, you're going to fucking cry. Like, she was like, he could have been feeling the pressure. I think she, that was something like she said, like, maybe she he, did, he yeah. knew that the pressures, like, he'd be getting. But I'm like, mm-hmm. no, bro. Like, 
fuck yeah. off. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I don't know. She doesn't need your fucking tears right now about yep. like, oh, you don't get a feel. Like, I hate it all. I hate yeah. every fucking second of it. Um, so that's their compromise. But even that brought great stress to Jill as she knew anything involving the show was essentially the same as obeying or disobeying her father mm-hmm. because he became the show one is the same. her exactly her mm-hmm. show is the father the fa- her father is the show mm-hmm. so i found it interesting the way she described this compromise in regards to derek saying mm-hmm. i was stressing about derek worrying that he, what he might do or say something that would upset scott but he followed the plan to the letter for the sake of our marriage he stepped under the umbrella with me um, and I will say, throughout the book, I get the sense that Derek did a pretty good job of knowing when to push boundaries mm-hmm. and when to hold back so as not to cause her more stress. Mm-hmm. I think she definitely needed that gentle approach. And for him to sometimes, like, toe the line with her, mm-hmm. because otherwise it would have been entirely too overwhelming. So I'm glad that she felt supported in that way. Like, when she needed him to shut the fuck up, he did. But also, as we'll get to later, when he would speak up on both their behalves, Mm -hmm. when she also needed that, too. So, I'll give him credit that it sounds like he offered the perfect amount that was kind of stretching her in some ways. And then also being like, okay, I need to, like, fucking pull back. Yeah. And this is too much. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like he did does have her feelings in consideration, Mm -hmm. which is... In those times when he would push, he would say the things that she would never be able to say. Yeah. But were coming from her. Mm-hmm. And this poor girl, just about six weeks after giving birth, is when In Touched released a story about the molestations. Something that, despite their fame, they had managed to keep under wraps up to that point. And she is just wrecked over this. Even suffering from terrible nightmares. All while postpartum, too, so just mm-hmm. great. So to, to escape the chaos, the family heads to a friend's ranch in Oklahoma. And of course, you know, just got to rub a little salt in that wound. Pest is there. She said, quote, this might seem strange. It does. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose events were somehow viewed as a thing of the past by that point. But by really, who? But like, <laughs> but if you think about it. It had been swept under the rug for all these years. Mm-hmm. When you're an asshole and you have an asshole mindset, you're like, "What's this? Why is this any different?" Yeah, that's how an asshole operates. So mm-hmm. for them, it's like par for the fucking course. I mean, there was never any resolution of anything. You don't talk about it. You move on. Mm-hmm. And if you and think about Lego Hair's mindset too, like everything is about their brand. Everything is about the show. Yep. Everything's about their brand. The, the ministry. What are you talking about? Brand? Sorry, the ministry. ministry. I, I mispronounced it. Um, but when that's your mindset and everything is based off of that, like I don't think he can even fathom anything that she was going through because it becomes, oh my God, how is this going to affect the show? And you see this through the, through the rest of the book. Yeah. A lot of times when these things happen... It's not even like he's considering both things. He's, he's just yeah, considering the, the brand and the show. About. Mm-hmm. But she does say, I don't know. I didn't know how to be around Josh. 
Although what had happened had been addressed back then, and he had apologized many times, we didn't talk about what had happened anymore. It felt like the distant past. But even so, I didn't expect him to be quite as relaxed as he was. Mm. And later in the days, I didn't expect him to start laughing, even though it was clearly nervous laughter, when he described being under siege by photographers. And Michelle actually piped up for once, saying, Josh, it's not your fault that this is this was released, but you need to know that you were behind all this. Don't be so arrogant. But it's like, of course, a fucking course, it's Michelle who shows the teeniest, tiniest sliver of awareness. You know, like that. Like, that's not going to come from Lego. No, not at <laughs> like, all. ever. Or um, past in turn. Like. No. Meanwhile, I'm wondering where all this, like, he'll protect them to the nth degree, like, in today's episode. Where the fuck oh, is that rough. energy? Yeah. It does not exist. Mm-hmm. That doesn't fucking exist. And I don't, I'm not throwing Michelle a fucking parade here for anything. I This is the, the tiniest amount of awareness you can fucking have. So yep. she doesn't get fucking, uh, she doesn't get any <laughs> fucking gold stars from me. Yeah. But it's like, of course it's not, it's, of course, if it's going to be from anyone. It's going to be from, from, from her. her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening to Jill detail how Lego and his right-hand man, Chad, were spitballing how to save the show is just gross. First deciding an exclusive interview was the answer. And, you know, at first it was going to be Michelle. They, you know, they were like, well, I guess it should be Michelle. And that they needed a woman interviewer. Because, you know, the usual. Women don't get to have a voice. But they're always the fixer. Because, like, even in those episodes where we talked about, like, the, you know, how to be a, like, a wife, basically, was, I forget whatever it was, seven ways to blah, 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 whatever the fuck that episode was in the mm-hmm. the dig. The women did, they they were didn't get to be in charge of any, anything, but they were responsible for everything. That's a really good way of putting and, it. And, yeah, they were the absolute fixer. And it was, like, you know, it was... Gaze adoringly at your husband so other people take him seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure that you're saying things that other people think well of him. Like, you're always responsible for the fucking men around you. Mm -hmm. You have no voice, but you're still yet in the same hand responsible for fucking everything. Mm -hmm. Always having to talk these fucking douche canoes up. Like, (laughs) like they're fucking, they're the fucking greatest. And not, not, none of them, but, uh, oh. Uh, FYI, none of them are. <laughs> the joke I was going to make when you were like, you got to gaze adoring at them. I'd be like, where can I get some of that? <laughs> you got to say nice things so other people hear them. Where can I get some of that? Yeah, Mildred for that. She gazes at you. Yeah, she does. She does. And she slow blinks. That's a sign of love. Yep. Lots of head boobs. So Jill said, quote, I was one of the older kids, so I naturally felt more weight and responsibility to do something. To help somehow. And I wanted to help them. To show them my love and loyalty in this hardest of times. But I had no boundaries. No sense of what I needed to protect myself. I was terrified and didn't want to do the interview at all. But it felt like it was the only way to prove my love and commitment to my parents. And that was the way that it was sold. Like in Shiny Happy People, that's the way that it was sold. Was It was like, I need to save this enterprise. Yep. Um, she continues, I could clear their name and tell everyone that my brother's problems were a thing of the past. How could I stay silent? 
fucking heartbreaking. Yep. <clears throat> they they never ever protected her or the, any of the girls, but we're talking about Jill, so whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they never protected her, and here she is still feeling the need to protect or save them and mm-hmm. prove her loyalty. It's just it's just so sad. Yeah. They never. She's. They don't care about her. That she's mm-hmm. never a thought. Yeah. They are never a thought. And the cherry on top of it all is finding out that Pest was sitting right there, just out of Oof. shot, listening and watching during the entire interview. Never knew that. I. I none, was. None of us knew that. I was. Was, this was. Flabbergasted. Um. Fuck Jim Bob and mm-hmm. fuck Michelle Duggar. Yep. Like, on what? And like, what did the crew? Like, I'm at. What did the crew think mm-hmm. from fucking Fox News? What did Megan Kelly think? I mean, well, you know, don't even get me started. <laughs> I don't want to know. But I'm just saying. But like, did anybody be like, this is not? Since he right. This is not normal at all. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like the fact that everybody just like carried on. Like, oh yeah, and then there's the abuser right there listening yeah. and watch. It's it's having them watch you to make like what are not that they weren't. To be clear, they weren't going to say anything disparaging anyway. Oh, we course. know it. But it's just such a fucked up situation to imagine. Like, somebody's supposed to really, in in theory, tell speak their truth, speak mm-hmm. their whatever, with their fucking abuser sitting there sitting. staring yep. at them? Mm-hmm. Fuck off. Yep. And it just gets worse. <laughs> so, Pest is sent away yet again, one of many. Because now the cheating stuff has come out. And one day, Lego thinks it's just a great idea to give a beaming report on that piece of shit during family Bible time. Mm, Saying, hey guys, I just talked to Josh and the guy who runs the place where he's staying. He seems to be doing good. He's been working in the kitchen. Ugh. And the guy who runs the program says he's doing really well. He said he's been like a role model for some of the others and that he's their best person there. This. This right here is why pests continue to get away with things mm-hmm. for so long. It never fucking mattered what he did. He somehow was still reco- like regarded as some sort of like model citizen. The golden child. And always. Yeah. Still getting mm-hmm. praised. It's fucking sick. It does not matter. Somehow, he just... He was great. He was wonderful. Listen to all... And just to stand there and just think that, like, that's appropriate to announce to his victims sitting around Mm -hmm. you. Like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? Yeah. Who was was the source of that quote about him, like, ministering other people while he's in prison? I don't know. Remember how it was the whole thing of, like... I don't remember a specific quote, but yeah. Like, it's that same idea. Like, homie's in prison for absolutely like abhorrent shit but it's like no he's doing really other other inmates are really looking up to him oh, it's great. like bro that's a great that's great uh, bro, for real you know how you know how there's that thing going around about like i wish i could be like a like a 18th century doctor and they'd be like oh you have this going on have you tried doing cocaine about it that's <laughs> yeah. how this feels yeah Oh, you molested some of your sisters. Have you tried going somewhere and constructing about it? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like it's it's at it's that level of ass. Have you tried digging a ditch? <laughs> yep. It's fucking sick. And he goes on in great detail about all the steps they had taken to get him there without the paparazzi knowing and how they're managing to keep him out of sight while they're there. And what you're all probably thinking right now is exactly what Jill was thinking. Quote, Though I love my parents and it made a lot of sense that they would want to protect and care for their child, I couldn't help but think about the lengths that Pops had gone to in order to guard Josh's privacy privacy, and keep him from being publicly humiliated. She talks of how after the InTouch released the reports, all she wanted was privacy to grieve. And that, okay, this next part, it really gets gets me in the feels in a bad way. Quote, back when we'd sat in that cabin discussing the show, ugh, what I'd really wanted was for Pops to say, no, we're not going to put you on Fox News. I'm going to do everything I can to keep you girls out of this. We are not concerned about the future of our show anymore. Ugh. I wanted my daddy to stand up for me in that way. Had he known that? Would he have done something different if I had spoken up? I had no idea. I spent much of my life listening to IBLP teaching on the umbrella of protection. When I needed it most, it had failed me. It felt as though I, as a woman, was expected to do all I could to protect Pops and Josh. Nobody appeared to see it differently. It's all she wanted. Yep. Like, that's so true. It's like she may have volunteered. I don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. She did it under feeling absolute the weight of responsibility Mm -hmm. of saving her family and saving her family's livelihood. Mm -hmm. But your responsibility is to say, no, 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 I'm not going to re-victimize, like, re-traumatize a victim, you know? Mm -hmm. That's your responsibility as a fucking parent. Instead, they were like, okay, cool, yeah, thank you. Like, they just fucking lapped it up. Mm Mm-hmm. It's... And and you saw it through the change that ended up happening on the show and how the focus kind of changed. You felt like Lego hair took a step back because he looked really bad in this where they were like, wow, all this shit is going on. I feel like he took himself out of it. And shoved his his kids into well, TLC made that they were like you can't mm-hmm. be a part of this yeah yeah and it's like you're you're literally letting them fall into the trap that you set yep like you made this shitty bed and now you're making them sleep in it mm-hmm. what a piece of shit it's just heartbreaking it's nobody was thinking of her or any of the girls for that matter nobody. And she sacrificed herself to uphold these trash-ass men. And they never did a damn thing to protect her. Because, you know, they say this umbrella of protection. But it's not fucking protection, it's control. Mm -hmm. It's the umbrella of fucking control. Mm -hmm. So now we're at the point where rebranding the show is being pitched to them. And as we all know, TLC is trash and continues to prove that they're fucking trash. By waiting until after they've gotten all of them on board before throwing it in at the end that, oh yeah, that um, this was meeting that they would have to talk about what happened on camera. Because, um, you know, we just can't skip over what happened. Yeah. 
but they wait till the very end where everybody's like, yeah, we're we're in, I guess. And then they're like, oh, and by the way. Didn't you say it was like the first episode of that yeah. rebranded show too? Yeah. Oof. Um, Woof. And it's just like you said, like we were talking about. So nothing changed. It actually got easier for Lego. Nothing changed as far as like all the money and shit. They, mm-hmm. they got to slap a new name on it. They got to put the kids at the front of it. And then they didn't have to fucking film. Mm-hmm. It got easier for them. Yep. And you still had that aspect of like the people that wanted to watch the train wreck or what you used to say, the people that wanted to watch the freak show. But then you had people that also sympathized for these for these girls. And it was like, well, like, I kind of want to watch it to support them, but then also watch like there was so many things that were leading to people continuing to watch after the rebrand. And well, like and you said, it feels like Lego got off scot-free for a while. He absolutely did. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely like people who were just like, well, you know, at least the girls got, you know, get, like, here's Assume at least they were getting paid. At least they're getting this out of it. Like this terrible thing happens. But maybe it's like, no, they were getting shit. They yeah, got they, yeah. they got more of a workload. They got more mm-hmm. pressure. They were victims who got re-victimized, mm-hmm. re-traumatized, and now they have more responsibility and still no fucking pay. Mm-hmm. More scrutiny, more, you know. Yeah. So now the Dillards are in El Salvador doing missionary work and continuing to film for the show. And then there was concern for their finances, both personal and their ministry fund. Did they not have money to buy a grande bag of beans? Guess not. They're only down to a couple grandes. <laughs> and who who knew, you know? So it's December. So the Duggars are now there on their annual trip. So Derek takes this opportunity to ask Lego if they could receive some income for filming. Uh, and his response is just fucking dripping with mm. manipulation. Derek, from the very beginning, our family has viewed this as a ministry, an opportunity to share with the world that children are a blessing. Back when we started the show, we didn't make anything off it. I was the one who was able to negotiate a good deal for our family. I could retire right now. The only reason I'm still doing this is for you kids. Is what that exactly only- is he doing for the kids? <laughs> yeah, for What real. exactly? Yeah. You're not fucking paying them. What what are you doing for them? You didn't protect them. You're not paying them. What are they getting out of this? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. It's ministry. They're getting to share the Lord. Oh yeah, via fucking trips to the fucking thrift store. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like uh, oh yeah, yeah, we're all real convinced by your trips to the thrift store and your fucking skirts. We're all, I'm convinced. Are you convinced? I'm convinced. I mean, watching them at Watching them at an ostrich meeting, you know, made me want to step foot in a church. <laughs> I know. Uh, so Derek pushes, he, he's pushing it, and he suggests that, you know, maybe they could get a percentage. And that's when Lego reveals that they used to pay Josh, but they stopped for, uh, because they, you know, it wasn't a good idea. Of fucking course. The only child who mm. ever saw any form of payment up to that point was fucking Pest. Of course. Because he, uh. somehow he always lands, like, yeah. I mean, I just, it, it's it's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, none of it's surprise like, should be surprised, but none of it's shocking, none of it's surprising, but still, like, shocking. Do you know what I mean? Agree. There's, yeah. like, surprise versus shock to me, and surprise is, like, well, like, you know, like, I mean, nothing's. 
I wouldn't put anything past these fucking right. people, but it's still shocking in the sense where you're just like, who thinks like that? Yeah. Further adding to the manipulation and effort to get Dill to fucking drop it, he says, Michelle's the one that had all these kids. We wouldn't even have the show if it weren't for her. That that line got me a little Ugh. heated. Yes. Okay, that line got me really heated. <laughs> Just because it's like, you are so trained to not have to take ownership of anything. So now in this moment, now you're making it like... Yeah, so you're making it like a joke. Yeah. Now you're making it like a joke. And he said it in one of these episodes. He said it in one of these episodes where he was like, we wouldn't even be here if Michelle didn't have all these kids. You played a role in that, you douchebag. But also just how convenient that the person you say that the entire show is like owed to. So in a roundabout way, he's he's kind of saying the only one who should be paid. I know he's not saying that exactly, but to me, that's kind of what it's saying. Well, it's like, well, you know, it's really all about Michelle. It's like, because if You're saying asked, that because if, now they're asking for yeah, money. Exactly. You're not saying that because you for, believe that. Yeah, if they're asking for money and suddenly now it's like, well, really, we owe this all to Michelle. You're still equating money and Michelle together. So how convenient that the one person that you're saying that everything is owed to and talking about money... Is the one person that is attached to you and you only. Works out pretty fucking good for you and no one else, huh? God, he's such a fucking douche. But Lego truly met his match in Derek, and he's not letting it go. Mm-hmm. Pointing out what value that they've added to the show and how... They the, pulled the it title, out of the fucking the garbage ha- disposal. Yeah, and the title has her fucking name in it, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lego gives his spin of it being about teamwork. Uh, before, I I think, finally realizing he had to offer up something. Mm-hmm. But his offer is ludicrous. <laughs> Asking Derek, Luda. What are you worth? $10 an hour? 12 that's such a fucking condescending it, way of so, doing it. Like, it is such a fucking dick. He's such a dick. And but Derek, um, you know, he's our messy bitch. But I, but Jill even says later she's like he kept very calm, cool, and like respectful. Um, but you know, underneath it all, he's a he's 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 our messy bitch. And he says, well, without missing a beat, what's the show worth? You can't appraise the value of a worker to a business until you know what the whole business is worth. Is worth. So I guess before we can tell you what we're worth, we need to know what kind of deal you've got with TLC. He just dropped that Uno reverse card yeah, on him is yeah, what happened. Sure yeah. did. Um, and of course, Jim Bob is not used to this kind of pushback. So he resorts to being insulting. Mm-hmm. He once again harps on how the show is a ministry. Because, you know, deflect, deflect. This is not about money. It's about ministry. Yeah. And, you know, earlier it's like, well, you know, this is about teamwork. And, oh, fuck off. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, I'm not saying your work here isn't great, but we are reaching more people through the show than you hear on the mission field. So same kind of bullshit with that guy that didn't want to film. Mm-hmm. He makes himself superior to everyone by bringing up just like how much reach the show has. It's a way to pump up his ego while making other people feel small and insignificant mm-hmm. with what their work is or what they choose to do. Mm-hmm. He meant for that comment to be hurtful. Mm-hmm. 
Like, personally, I couldn't give a fucking shit about actual, like, ministry and their mission work down in El Salvador. I have my own feelings about all of that shit, right? Mm-hmm. But what I do care about is his ego and purposely trying to hurt his child because of said ego mm-hmm. and straight up greed. Yep. That's the part I care about. I'm like, I, I mean, I don't really care. But, like, you're trying to be hurtful and that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Jill said, quote, the sting was sharp. All the while Pops and Derek had been talking, I'd been cringing, trying to hide myself away right there on the bed, wishing that the conversation would stop. All my internal alarms about pushing back on authority had been going off full volume. Mm -hmm. But Pops' comment had bite. It hurt. It felt like it was designed to make us back off. Mm -hmm. It was. It was. Yeah. (laughs) It was like... Let me shut them up. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, it's like, well, what you're doing here is really, I mean, you think it's like. This is a cute little thing yeah, you guys are doing. Yeah, you're yeah. like, like that's precious, but we do like real ministry. <laughs> <laughs> Which goes back to what we talk about a lot about the pious mentality. Like, this is just that taken to a farther degree. Mm-hmm. I know you guys like go to church, but like we go to church harder. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> So Derek pressed on a bit more, saying Jill has contributed for over a decade and has nothing to show for it before finally they put a pin in the conversation. Derek apparently had no problem getting to sleep that night, which was like baffling to Jill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She was like, he's not like. It was probably cathartic that he got to go at this douchebag. Yeah, but she's like, he didn't have that. He just got to go to sleep. Meanwhile, she's a nervous wreck. But it was this first really big moment in her life of questioning her dad's authority for for real. Mm-hmm. But despite all all that, she said, quote, I felt something change inside me. I was still mortified by the thought of Pops feeling angry with us. But I was proud of my husband, too. He'd fought for his family, just like he would promised to do on the day we got married. And I figured this would be a good place to stop for today. Mm-hmm. Because I truly... To me, it truly is a turning point mm-hmm. for her and in the book. Um, it's a little, it's like five, it's like, cha- it's a nine chapter book. This is like five and three quarters the way through. So it's kind of funny that I'm ending it like not in a clean chapter, mm-hmm. but I do feel like it's a good spot to. Yeah. Um, after this is when we really see her beginning to find her voice. Mm-hmm. I'm also um, at this point two pages over my average dig length. So considering <laughs> it's a turning point and a little over halfway through the book i feel like it's a good marker mm-hmm. next week we will really be getting into a lot definitely more new information but i think even up to this point even if it was kind of more general stuff that we kind of knew the details are key in mm-hmm. really building and understanding her full story and the mm-hmm. extent of everything mm-hmm. And I like exploring those tiny moments along the way where she was just like, well, that was, that wasn't quite right. That was or, a little weird, yeah. Um, you know, before she gets the full confidence and empowerment mm-hmm. to really voice things. Mm-hmm. But I just think that's a that's such an important part of the story than just like, oh, yeah, she didn't just come guns blazing. It was a really long lead up and struggle, not only within herself, but within her marriage. And I just think like it's really important to like highlight all of that and not Mm. just get to like what people are like oh that's the juicy part like it's it's all really important to the story Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I think that's that's it for the next week. We will really listen to Jilly Muffin fa- find her voice. Um, excuse me. I think you mean Sweet Jilly Muffin. Oh, sweet. Approval Hunter. Ah, Thank got you. it. That's the full name. Sorry, my <laughs> my you. B, my bad. One of the things I I thought through a lot of these points is like if if you stand on ground that you truly believe in or that you truly believe is correct, when somebody digs into it or asks questions or starts to have that conversation, you can have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think what you see over and over again is like homie's not used to people asking him questions. So when they do ask questions, he immediately starts attacking them yep. to make them go away. You worked with somebody that was like that. Mm-hmm. That was very much, I just don't want people to ask questions or learn anything. So the second they say something innocuous, I'm going to bite their fucking head off yep. because then hopefully they'll leave they'll me leave alone. Me the fuck alone. And then I don't have to evaluate my own behavior, my own values, the way that I treat people, the way that I carry myself, nothing. I don't have to think about any of those things because you'll go away. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Craziness. So that's just part of the... Jilly Muffin Approval Hunter Saga. More next week. Yep. I We started something last episode, and I really, really would love to keep that going. So I would love to do our kind of like winding down segment of what are we digging on? Why don't you go first, Tim? I was not prepared last week, but I am prepared this week. Okay. I kind of sprung it on Whitney it, as we were was, recording last uh, week <laughs> just because I, I wanted to put some... We talk about some really ugly things in this podcast. Um, I feel like we do our best to try to pay respect and and show empathy and kind of these things that I think mean Whitney value. Um, but I just wanted to put some positive out there. So that's why I chose that song by Twain. But um, it doesn't... It isn't have to be anything like that. It's just something that you feel brought joy. So my thing I'm digging on this week is people that go to a like a shopping place or a grocery store and they put their shopping cart in the corral. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's two reasons why I say this. And it's a hard belief as I became an older man. Number one, I hate when I'm at the store late and it's like 1130 and you see this like 17-year-old kid that's having to walk all over the the shopping, you know, parking lot just to gather all these carts that are shoved into rocks and you know what I mean? It just feels like if I can do something small to make that person's life a little bit easier. But and that's ma- what their job is for. I'm, I'm, and, I'm talking oh, to all yeah. the people that make that. <laughs> but when, when, if I didn't leave my cart everywhere, they wouldn't have a job. Yep. And it's <laughs> like if I can make that person get to go home a little bit earlier. I will do it. Now, my second part to this, which is why I dig on people that return their carts to the corral, is I read a thing online that said that it is the purest test of human virtue. And the reason why is because there is no inherent benefit to you to do it. There is also no inherent penalty for not doing it. So the only motivation you have to putting that cart in that corral is to make somebody else's life a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as I got older, I realized that I judge others harshly 
based off of how they treat other people, especially people that they feel like they are better than. That's why I judge people based off of how they treat serving staff, how they treat cashiers at places, how they treat children. There's all of these things where I realize cleaning I... Cleaning staff, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cleaning staff is a great example. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so I've realized that I judge people based off of that to how good of a person they are. And the corral is the purest showing of human virtue. No, I feel if you're physically unable, like there's a difference there. But like when my when I was younger, like my dad was that person that would take longer to try to like shove it into the rocks and like the little median than it would have been if he just took it over to the corral. Do you follow cartnarks? No. No? Remember the Woody show? Yeah. So the Woody show, Seabass has cartnarks and he has like little um he has like magnets and like when he he goes out and he has like a gopro on so then when people like don't put it away he he, just with his mouth he goes like like like, walks over and he usually and he's just like uh he calls him lazy bones he's like ma'am you're being a lazy bones and he's like why why don't you put your cart back and they're like i did this and he's like it's not that far it's right over there or it's like Mm -hmm. he especially gets after them when they put it like in the you know like the extra y next to the um uh, the handicap parking where there'll be mm-hmm. like the extra wide like X'd out like mm-hmm. you know what I mean and they'll be like well it's not he's like that's there so that they have their lift and stuff and he's like if you have your cart there yep. uh, he's like they can't do it and they're like yep. oh fuck off and he's mm-hmm. just like why are you being a lazy bones and yep. then he'll like put it on their car and they're like I'm gonna call the cops and he's that's like hilarious. call the cops call the cops and uh, I'll tell them you're being a lazy bones <laughs> you gotta follow it's kind of funny but he's just got like a little like plastic like like Hilarious. waiver thing, like a, um, <laughs> like the air traffic. Yes, and he just yeah. is like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and Cart they're always marks. like throwing it off of their car, and he's just like, it's just a magnet, ma'am. Hilarious. Oh, why'd you throw that, ma'am? <laughs> it cracks me. Up. It's pretty good. All right, so shout out to the Woody Show. Shout out to Cart Narks, and uh, shout out to people that take the cart back to the corral. I dig people that take their cart back to the corral. Well, Whitney, what are you digging mine on this doesn't, week? Mine like, um, isn't as humanitarian, I guess. Um, mine's a little more simple. But I am digging on festive-themed um, food merchandise. Mm, mm, preach to me. Here's the thing. This, <laughs> this is, is a ac- good visual this, thing, this, too. This is actually, a, a, clearly, uh, Halloween is coming up. So this is actually about a holiday. But here's the thing. I just love a fucking theme. Holiday or not, I feel like themes, because I love holidays, so mm-hmm. to me, even just like a theme itself, it kind of makes something feel like a holiday. Agree. That's why I theme random shit all the time, because it gives me that same buzz. I just love festivity. I just love putting thought mm-hmm. into something. I just love that shit. I love nothing more. So this time of year is when I have to... Okay, I'm a fucking slut for themes, so I love all of this. I'm exactly what they want, the, the companies. like I'm like, <laughs> oh, they put a fucking jack-o'-lantern on it in the cart you know like i can't i cannot help myself i tell tim that I, i'm a very frugal shopper i feel like i'm frugal all year long to kind of fucking go crazy at the holidays times um but here's the thing though tim you have to start earlier and earlier because the shit sells out so because here's the thing so 
it is a tradition that in the annual Christmas sleepover with my nieces, I have to have the Christmas or like the holiday winter Oreos. Two years ago, I could not find them. Mm-mm. I went to every goddamn store. I was at Dollar General. Mm-hmm. I went everywhere. Couldn't find. I'm never letting that happen again. Post post quarantine, everybody was like eating have, up that I've stuff. I've learned my lesson. It, yeah. it is a limited run. Mm-hmm. So when it's out there, you got to get it. So in August, when I saw that the Walmart neighborhood by my by my house mm-hmm. had uh, the fucking spooky Oreos. I, I bought I, I fucking toilet papered it, you guys. I bought four. <laughs> and you're like, it's just you and Tim. What do you do? Well, here's the thing. I'm having my little DIY haunted, haunted like house decorating thing. I know I'm going to want to put out a platter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim and I like to eat them ourselves. But I also just like this time, like last year, I'm not working for my friend anymore. So this, but this is just an example. Mm. Like when she and I were going to work in the kitchen, like I, I brought matching jack-o'-lantern <laughs> shirts for us to wear and like i i made her like a little mug and i had a bunch of like the spooky mm-hmm. oreos and I, like i just like to have those things on hand for some sort of gifting or giving you know whatever that's so, why at her last job she was the holiday cheer captain i was the cheer captain mm-hmm. so i just like to have them on hand so i, I fucking toilet papered it and i got like four packs <laughs> but and i was already like man what am i doing but then when i got up there self-checkout at the walmart neighborhood sweetest little old lady that's running the check out she walks mm-hmm. up to me and she goes you gotta buy that stuff early and i was like oh i know i felt so validated and i was like i know thing and i was like yeah and she was like if you don't buy now it's not gonna be here and i was telling my son i had to buy She's his an enabler she was like i got i had to get his count chocula because i don't know if it'll be here <laughs> and i was like oh, i felt so validated mm-hmm. so that was the first big purchase i've gotten spooky nuggets mm-hmm I've gotten the, the Pringles. I don't even love Pringles that much, but I always buy the fucking Pringles. They get Packaging's me with their packaging. Good. And they got, and they, and I felt seen by Pringles. Because they have, yeah. Two of the flavors are Day of the Dead themed. Yes, so I had to get them all. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Not get them? No. What are you supposed to do? Be a bigot and no. just get the Halloween ones? No, of course not. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Not get them? Of course not. Not celebrate my heritage? No. So, I, and I also every year get the, Uts brand um, mm. little packages of cheese balls and like pretzels. bats and pretzels. And I I usually get like four, two boxes of each mm-hmm. because we give them out. And then I, you know, I eat a few and like whatever. Yeah. 99 cents only had them a dollar cheaper a box. Yeah. So I had to get those early. And and it's just cool to give something for Halloween that's not just candy. Yeah. I you mean, know, get a little salty snack in there. something to, yeah, I'm, I'm a savory bitch. I love a good savory. Something to pack in their lunch the next day. You know, yep. help a parent out. Mm-hmm. So I've been gradually buying all of this themed food and I have to, I present it to Tim every night when I buy it. Like, it's like, like fucking getting home from Mervyn's for the first day of school. <laughs> I have to present it all to him. Mm-hmm. But it, it all goes. And then into she a vault. presents things, and then she's like, "You're not allowed to have this yet." It gets put in the vault. I don't even keep it in the kitchen. It's kept. She in puts a- it in the Disney vault. <laughs> I put it in the vault, and I tell him this won't be till November, because like if something is on like, August twenty eighth. <laughs> no joke. Like some things, I'm like, this is Halloween treats. This is fall. This is fall treats. <laughs> so you won't be getting these pumpkin spice little debbies. Till November, but you can have the Oreos in October. 
you know so it's yep. it's very specific i buy it <laughs> i have to have it all we've got two bags of spooky nuggets because oh shit that shit goes fast oh, and man. when it comes to october about twice a week i make us for, for all holidays i do this but um i make about two themed meals a week mm-hmm. when it comes time so it's, i gotta be prepared yeah. so be prepared because you will get the visuals of yeah, it so yeah. Anywho, so then. you are digging on themed themed packaging and just food. And just I themed mean, yeah, food. Themed yeah. food. Yes. Yeah. Going into the into the the gets holiday me going, season gets yeah. me so pumped up and ready. Yep. Just you wait for your spooky nuggets <laughs> with crispy crowns. We'll be having with crispy crowns. Yep. Well, there we go. Those are those are the things we're digging on this week. If you enjoy our content, you want to help support us. Feel free to buy us a pickle or a coffee at buymecoffee.com slash digging up the dug. Enjoy maybe some packaging uh, visuals and obviously Mildred content. I mean, well, yeah. On our Instagram at digging up the Duggers pod. And feel free to shoot us some snail mail at our P.O. box, which is 5973 Glendale, Arizona, 85312. Have a wonderful themed week. But not yet. It's not October. That's true. I can okay. show them to you. You can't eat them. <laughs> yeah. Now you know. Now you all you diggers know how I feel. I always Tim's like you always tell me you can't have it yet. Yeah. <laughs> and please put your cart in the corral. <laughs>